chapter five of all along the river this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. all along the river by mary elizabeth braddon chapter five and the child cheek blushing scarlet for the very shame of bliss people who were familiar with the talbot hotel lost withiel in its everyday aspect would hardly have recognized the old-fashioned hostelry to-night under the transforming hand of the hunt club with lord Lostwithiel and vansittart crowther on the committee the entrance hall usually remarkable only for various cases of stuffed birds and a monster salmon caught in the laren river in some remote period of history was now a bower of crimson cloth and white azaleas in the ballroom and anteroom tea-room and supper-room were more flowers and more crimson cloth while on every side brushes and vizards against the crimson and white panelling testified to the occasion the dancing-room was very full when mrs bainham's party made their entrance the matron in her historical black velvet which had formed part of her trousseau thirteen years before when she left the family residence in the chief street of truro and all those privileges which appertained to her as the only daughter of a provincial banker to grace dr bainham's lowlier dwelling the black velvet gown had been let out from time to time as youth expanded into maturity and there had been a new bodice and a real maltese lace flounce within the last three years which constituted a second incarnation and mrs bainham walked into the talbot ballroom with the serene demeanour that goes with a contented mind she was satisfied with herself and she was proud of her party the two fresh rosy-cheeked girls in sky-blue tulle isla looking like a merry lily in her white satin raiment and the village surgeon who always looked his best in his dress clothes newly shaven and as it were pulled together in honour of the occasion the room was full and very full but lost withiel was not there isla had an instinctive consciousness that he was missing in that brilliant crowd people came buzzing round her and she was made room for upon a raised bench opposite the gallery where a military band was playing a polka in which the brasses predominated to an ear-splitting extent the glenaveril party made their entrance ten minutes later the crowther girls were not afraid of wanting partners most young men are glad to dance with half a million of money there is always an off chance of a good thing just as there is a chance of breaking the bank at monte carlo belinda looked superb in a cloud of tulle like a goddess alicia looked too well on horseback to look well off her spare straight figure and sharp elbows were not at their best in evening dress she wore black and an infinity of bugles and flashed and glittered more than any one else in the room though she wore never a jewel 
worth my dear said mrs baynham to a blue niece in a mysterious whisper i know his style there was a buzz of conversation on that raised divan where the matrons were sitting with those newly arrived maidens who were like ships waiting to slide out of their cradles and float away to sea isola and the sky-blue nieces had not long to wait especially isola men were entreating the stewards to introduce them to that lovely fragile-looking creature in white satin the best men in the neighbourhood or those wandering stars from distant counties or the london galaxy men with handles to their names as mr baynham told mrs crowther resplendent in salmon brocade and venetian point my presentation gown she informed the doctor's wife the court mantle is ruby velvet lined with salmon satin the weight of it almost pulled me backwards when i curtsied to the royalties such a lot of them and i'm afraid i curtsied rather too low to one of the princesses for i caught her taking me off when she returned my curtsy isola danced through the lancers as one in a dream when the heart of a man is oppressed with care tarara tarara tara tara what foolishness it all seemed and her husband in burma hemmed round by murderous dacoits she went back to her seat among the matrons after almost curtly refusing either refreshment or a promenade through the rooms mrs crowther was saying solemnly i do believe lord lostwithiel is not coming after all and yet he worked so hard on the committee my husband said and took such pains about the flowers and what not the tall slim figure cut its way through the crowd two or three minutes later and lostwithiel was standing in front of isola and the two matrons he wore a pink coat as became a member of the lostwithiel hunt and the vivid colour accentuated the pallor of his long thin face he talked to all the ladies on the divan to the sky-blue nieces even hoping that their cards were full if not i must bring you some men i know he said you mustn't miss a dance they blushed and trembled with delight never before having been thus familiarly addressed by a peer of the realm he asked isola for her programme with well-simulated indifference yet with that air of profound respect with which he talked to all women i hope you can spare me some waltzes he said she is only just come said mrs baynham and yet her card is almost full people have been very officious here is a poor little waltz number seven may i have that and number eleven and number please don't put down your name for anything later than number eleven i shall be gone before those late dances oh surely you don't mean to desert us early remember this the one festive occasion of our lives as a sporting community all our other meetings are given up to carking care financial difficulties and squabbling i shall put down my name in these tempting blanks and if you disappoint me well it will only be like my previous experiences as a fox-hunter 
he gave her back her programme with all the blanks filled in and at the bottom a word written and triply underscored ananke fate they had talked of victor hugo's romantic story that romance which the great man so despised in after years that he was almost offended if any one presumed to praise it in his hearing although in the half-century that has gone since victor hugo was a young man this story of notre dame has been unsurpassed as an example of the romantic novel lostwithiel had praised the book and had talked of the monk frollo and his fatal love and that word fatality graven upon the wall of his cell and burnt into his soul isla knew what those greek letters meant she dropped the little white and gold programme as if it had been an adder he went away to a duty dance with a great lady of the district a lady whose diamonds made a light about her wherever she moved and then he waltzed with belinda crowther to the admiration of the young lady's mother and of two or three other matrons on the divan by the door were they not a splendid couple she so brilliantly fair he dark and pale bronzed slightly with exposure to the sun in warmer climates than this not positively handsome but with such an interesting countenance so and so and so prose the matrons until various middle-aged cavaliers came to invite them to the tea-room where there was the usual drawback in the shape of a frightful draught from open windows which the dancers coming in flushed and heated voted delicious this will be a good night's work for me said dr bainham cheerfully although he considered it his duty to warn his patients of their danger conscience thus satisfied he could look on complacently as they eat ices and selected cool corners of the refreshment-room to flirt in next to a juvenile party i don't know anything better from a professional point of view than a public ball he said your canvas corridors decorated with flowers and bunting are a fortune to a family practitioner isola danced every dance she hardly knew who her partners were she had only a sense of floating in a vortex of light and colour to some swinging melody everything was dreamlike but not horrible as in her dream by the fireside at home this was a happy dream as of a creature with wings who knew not of care in the present or a soul to be saved in the future and then came her waltz with lostwithiel and that strong arm was round her bearing her up as a flower is borne upon a rushing tide so that she had no consciousness of movement on her own part only of floating 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 to that languid three-time melody it was the last popular waltz they were playing a waltz that had been last summer's delight in the arid gardens of south kensington il n'y a que toi a waltz with a chorus which the band trolled out merrily at intervals in the french of stratford at bow 
il n'y a que toi whispered lostwithiel with his lips close to the soft brown hair above the white forehead not a bad name for a waltz when one is waltzing with just one person in the world out in the cool night there was a little knot of people as merry after their homelier fashion as town and county in the ballroom one of the windows had been opened at the top for ventilation and this opening had been turned to advantage a large substantial kitchen-table had been placed in front of the window and upon this improvised platform stood tabitha susan the head chambermaid and the ostler's wife this last on sufferance and evidently not in society looking on at the ball the window was under a veranda that sloped above these spectators heads they were thus in dense shadow and unseen by the occupants of the lamp-lit room susan was exuberant in her delight i was never at a ball before she said oh ain't it lovely don't i wish i could dance like that lord do look at that fat old party spinning round like a teetotum well i never did don't she perspire exclaimed susan indulging in a running commentary which left much to be desired in the matter of refinement this unsophisticated damsel heartily admired youth and beauty and the smart frocks and flashing gems but she was cruelly hard upon those dancers whose charms were on the wane or whose frocks were inferior or ugly well i wouldn't said susan i wouldn't go to a ball like this if i couldn't have everything nice look at that tall girl in yeller did you ever see such a scarecrow i'd ever so much rather stay at home or stand outside like this i should feel it better became me tabitha made no such remark she was singularly silent and thoughtful as she stood looking down at the crowded room from her point of vantage on the kitchen-table she had only eyes for one figure the willowy form in the glistening white satin gown with the feathery japanese chrysanthemums a little crushed and faded by this time or perhaps it may be said for two figures since one followed the other as the shadow follows the substance she saw them waltzing together when supper was in full progress and the room comparatively clear she saw the graceful head inclining towards his shoulder the slender waist held in his firm embrace and it seemed to her that the waltz was an invention of the arch-enemy she thought of it very much as people thought seventy years ago when byron wrote his poetical denunciation of the new dance she saw those two moving slowly towards an adjacent anteroom where banks of flowers and a couple of sofas and low easy chairs made a retreat which was half boudoir half conservatory she saw them moving side by side talking to each other in tones so confidential that his head bent low over hers each time she spoke and then she watched them sitting just within the doorway at an angle where she could see their faces and attitudes still in the same confidential converse she with downcast eyes and he 
leaning forward with his elbow on his knee and looking up at her as he talked it is too bad of him muttered tabitha writhing at that spectacle does he think what a child she is and what harm he may be doing it is wicked of him and he knows it and other people must notice them other people must see what i see and they will be talking of her blighting her good name oh if i could only get her away at once before people begin to notice her she could see her young mistress's face distinctly in the lamplight isola was very pale and her face was full of trouble not the face of a woman amusing herself with an idle flirtation playing with fire without the least intention of burning her fingers there were plenty of flirtations of that order going on in the talbot ballroom but this was not one of them this meant peril of some kind this was all evil that pale face those heavy eyelids shrouding eyes which dared not look up that tremulous uncertain movement of the snowy ostrich fan all these were danger signals if i get her safe at home presently i'll open her eyes for her thought tabitha i'll talk to her as if i was her mother god knows i should be almost as sorry as ever her mother could be if she came to any harm if she came to any harm what harm was there to fear for her as she sat there with lost with the lounging across the low chair beside the sofa where she sat leaning forward to look into her downcast face what harm could come to her except that which meant destruction death to peace and gladness and womanly fame if there were danger it was a desperate danger and tabitha shuddered at the mere thought of that peril but lord she's little more than a child mused tabitha she means no wrong and she knows no wrong she's too innocent to come to any harm yet in the landlady's snuggery by and by seated at the comfortable round table with its spotless damask and bright glass and silver tabitha was quite unable to do justice to that snack which mr tinkerley had ordered in her honour a chicken and lobster salad from the supper-room and three parts of a pineapple cream susan and the foreman fully appreciated these dainties but tabitha only munched a crust and sipped a tumbler of beer i'm a little bit out of sorts to-night she said i hope you haven't taken cold mrs thomas said the polite tinkerly perhaps we ought to have brought another rug no it isn't that i've been quite warm and comfortable eat your supper mr tinkerley and don't bother about me i've been interested in looking on and i'm too much took up with what i've seen to be able to eat well it was a pretty sight exclaimed tinkerley enthusiastically but i don't think i ever saw such a mort of plain women in my life lor mr tinkerley cried susan with a shocked air why look at our young mistress and at miss crowther and miss spenthrop from truro mrs pencarrow and lady chanderville well i don't say they're all ugly some of em are handsome enough and there's plenty of thoroughbreds among em but there's a sight of plain-headed ones there's quite as much beauty in your spear as there is among the county folks miss susan i'll swear to for that 
the night was waning isola had ordered her carriage for half-past two but three o'clock had struck from the church tower of lostwithiel and the dance was still at its height at its best the dancers said now that the sensual attractions of the supper-room drew off a good many people and left the floor so much clearer than before supper when bulky middle-aged gentlemen talking to the matron seated upon the divan had projected their ponderous persons into the orbit of the waltzers isola and lostwithiel had danced only two waltzes but since two o'clock they had sat out several dances mrs disney having cancelled all her engagements after that hour by declaring that she would dance no more i am dreadfully tired she told her partners piteously and her pallor gave force to the assertion please get some one else for our dance captain Mooreshead, and so on and so on to half a dozen disappointed suitors perhaps some of those who happen to be experienced in such complications may have divined which way the wind blew for no one offered to sit out the promised dances and isola and lostwithiel were left pretty much to themselves among the palms and orange trees in the ante-room they were not unobserved however and among the eyes which marked them with no friendly notice were the fine steel-blue eyes of miss crowther is that a flirtation she asked captain Mooreshead glancing in the direction of the ante-room where those two were sitting as she and isola's cast-off partner waltzed past the muslin-draped doorway they seem rather fond of talking to each other don't they who was she she's uncommonly pretty oh her people were army i believe as poor as church mice buried alive in dinan at dinan and now she lives at trelasco she tells me it seems scarcely worth while to have exhumed her in order to bury her again such a girl as that ought to be in london enjoying life oh but she's a grass widow don't you know her husband is in burma i don't think it's quite nice in her to be here to-night only as my too good-natured mother sent her a ticket i suppose i oughtn't to say anything about it perhaps if mother sees the way she goes on with lord lostwithiel she'll rather regret that ticket what was lostwithiel saying all this time in that gentle baritone which was heard only by one listener he was asking forgiveness for his indiscretion of the afternoon and in that prayer for pardon was repeating his offence isola was less inclined to be angry perhaps now the magic of the dance was still upon her senses the dance which had brought them nearer than all the days they had met than all their long confidential conversations on the heights above the harbour or on the river path or dawdling on the bridge she had felt the beating of his heart against her own breath mingling with breath the thrilling touch of his encircling arm and it was as if he had woven a spell around her which made her his she had never danced with her husband who had no love of that heathenish art in all their brisk frank courtship there had been no intoxicating hours 
she hardly knew what dancing meant till she waltzed with lostwithiel who had something of the fiery ardour of a pagan worshipping his gods in wild gyrations upon moonlit mountain or in secret cave she let him talk to her to-night let him pour out the full confession of his unhappy love he spoke not as one who had hope not with that implied belief in her frailty which would have startled her into prompt resistance his accents were the accents of despair his love was a dark fatality ananke why did you write that word she asked why because i could not give you back that card without some token of my passion with only commonplace entries which jones brown and robinson might write there i want you to feel that you belong to me somehow in some way as the spirits of the dead and the souls of the living belong to each other sometimes by links which none can see when i am at the other end of the earth i want to feel that there is something if it were only a word like a masonic sign between us if it were only a promise that in such or such a phase of the waning moon we would each look up and breathe the other's name you are going away what else can i do can i stay you tell me i made you miserable by what i said this afternoon that means we must meet no more i can't be sorry for my offence i cannot answer for myself my love has passed the point of sanity and self-control i have no option i must offend you or i must leave you you need not leave trelasco she said gently i am going away to-morrow going away where to london first and then to india to burma impossible it's not to the front to the nearest convenient station i am going to my husband as nearly as i can reach him and as quickly as i can make the journey you are dreaming no i have quite made up my mind i hated to be left behind last year and now that his return is deferred my only chance of happiness is to go to him some one called me a grass widow the other day what a detestable name give me this one waltz he asked without any comment upon her intended journey impossible i told them all i shouldn't dance any more oh your partners are all in the supper-room i dare say the dancing men go in last hark it's the myosotis just one turn only one he had risen from his low seat and she rose involuntarily at the sound of the opening bars he put his arm round her gently and drew her into the ballroom waltzing slowly as they went and then with the sudden impetus of an enthusiastic dancer he was whirling her round the room and she knew nothing cared for nothing in the confusion of light and melody think of me sometimes when you are far away he whispered with his lips almost touching her forehead she did not resent that whisper already within a dozen hours of his first offence 
she had grown accustomed to his words of love it seemed to her as if they had loved each other for years had loved and had despaired long ago in some dim half-remembered past a passion of this kind is like a dream in which an instant gives the impression of half a lifetime of long memories and old habit the room was much clearer now is it very late asked isola about four so late and i told the flyman half-past two it is dreadful let us stop please he obeyed and went with her towards the cloak-room the seats were nearly empty now where the matrons had sat in their velvet and brocade a gorgeous background to the clouds of tulle and sylph-like figures of the dancers mrs baynham was nowhere to be seen and the diminished bundles of tabby cat cloaks and shetland shawls in the cloak-room indicated that a good many people had left isola put on her soft white shawl hurriedly and went out into the hall where lost withiel had gone to look for her carriage people were going away very fast and through the open doorway there was a sound of voices and wheels but in spite of footmen constables and hangers-on there seemed a prodigious difficulty in getting any particular carriage to the door it was a mild misty night and the moon which had been counted on for the return home was hidden behind a mass of black clouds or in the expressive phraseology of one of the fox-hunters had gone to ground mrs disney waited near the door while lost withiel searched for her fly there were several departures of other muffled figures features undistinguishable behind shetland wraps or furry hoods as the men hustled their womenkind into the carriages it seemed an age to isola waiting there alone in the corridor and seeing no mortal whom she knew among those passers-by before lost withiel came hurried and breathless to say that her carriage was just coming up to the door wrap your shawl round your head he said quickly as he gave her his arm there's a nasty damp fog so muffling her almost to blindness come along she looked at the carriage with its lamps shining red against the grey mistiness like great fiery eyes and then glancing at the horse she cried suddenly i'm afraid that's the wrong fly i think mine had a grey horse no no it's all right pray don't loiter in this chilling air the carriage door was open the constable standing by bulls eye in hand a pair of horses snorting close behind another carriage coming up so near that the pole threatened destruction there was no time for loitering everybody was in a hurry to get home isola stepped lightly into the broom which drove slowly off next carriage mrs roared the constable mrs prideaux carriage stops all the way End of chapter five